this is Father Toby, and you're listening to Radio Maria England with your word for today. And I want to begin with today's gospel, which is from the end of the first chapter of John. After Jesus had decided to leave for Galilee, he met Philip and said, Follow me. Philip came from the same town, Bethsaida, as Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one about whom the prophets wrote. He is Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. From Nazareth, said Nathanael. Can anything good come from that place? Come and see, replied Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming, he said of him, There is an Israelite who deserves the name, incapable of deceit. How do you know me? said Nathanael. Before Philip came to call you, said Jesus, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus replied, You believe that just because I said I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, I tell you most solemnly, you will see heaven laid open, and above the Son of Man the angels with God ascending and descending. From about the age of 12 till uh, 18, the vast majority of my weekends were spent on the cricket pitch. They were weekends in summer, that is. Uh, they were great days. I love cricket, and I played for a wonderful club, Streatham, with a great variety of people from almost every cricket-playing country, and with a number of people who were real father figures to me. I started playing for the adult teens around age 12, and obviously you need lots of encouragement at that age, particularly when things on the pitch aren't going especially well, when the, the ball isn't coming out of the hand as you wish. I used to bowl spin, you see, which is not something you can simply put more effort into. It's more of a confidence thing. You don't want to think about it too much, and you don't want to try too hard. And one of the lines which would be shouted out at me to encourage me was F and G, Lees, F and G. Now, you might be thinking, what on earth is F and G? And if you are, you'd be like me for the first few years that people were shouting that at me. Everyone seemed to know what it meant, and I was too embarrassed to reveal my ignorance. Well, I won't keep you in suspense too much longer. Or maybe the moment I mentioned cricket, any possibility of suspense went out the window for you, and you're just preparing to be bored. But F and G stands for flight and guile. Which two things are the biggest part of being a spin bowler? And with flight and guile, the intention is that you might deceive the batter you're up against. F and G, that's what spin is about. It's all about artful deception and you get praised on the pitch for it. But what we have in today's gospel is the complete opposite. Nathaniel is praised for being a man without guile. And off the cricket pitch, to be a person without guile, well, that's one of the best things that you can say about a person. To be a man or a woman without guile 
is to have your yes mean yes and your no mean no. To live without guile is to be in living relation to the truth and not to have truth just be something abstract to you. A book I've been reading about C.S. Lewis recently has its author say that one of the main things he has learned from reading Lewis is the importance of guileless and self-forgetful enjoyment. In other words, enjoying something simply because you enjoy it, not worried about what others think, losing yourself in some activity or hobby because it was made for you and you were made for it. In one essay, Lilies That Fester, Lewis describes his delight in seeing a boy on a bus enthralled by a fantasy novel, wrapped and oblivious to the whole world. I should have hopes of that boy, says Lewis. I had the same experience recently having lunch at the house of some kind and lovely parishioners. As I was chatting with the parents after the food was finished, the daughter was absolutely wrapped on the floor with the castle that she had built and the enthralling drama that was being played out from her head in front of her. She was living completely in the moment. I don't think there was a thought about tomorrow or a thought about the next toy she would like to get. Rather, in this moment, there was sheer delight in what was in front of her. There was probably that loss of a sense of time, which I think is what it will be like to be in heaven, where our experience will neither be static nor a mere succession of moments, but more like an eternal present, which is different from perpetuity, which is the way we normally imagine it. But that distinction is for another homily, perhaps one that might feel more perpetual than eternal. But when you see a child who is enthralled in the moment, it's a gift. Not all children have it. And our world makes distraction increasingly likely to break in on such precious time. And that gift is most often received from parents. Parents joining their children in that joy, encouraging them in it. And that was going on in the other room as the boys were playing FIFA but when a particularly beautiful goal had been scored by one of them, they wanted their parents to share in this joy, to be excited by what excited them. Part of the job of good parenting is to have passionate children, children who can be completely absorbed in something or someone, not just themselves, because being able to be attentive is essential to loving which, when it comes down to it, attention and loving, they're not so very different. There certainly is no such thing as the distracted lover. That adjective does not belong with that verb. The lover is attentive. And when we love someone, we love what they love. And children know that. It's why it's so important to them to be affirmed in the things that they love, not just the things that they think they ought to love, or that their peers tell them they should love. Yes, over time, children must be trained in what is more worthy of their attention. But I think the ability to be attentive comes first. It's not a failing in a child that they are more interested in sports than Shakespeare. It seems quite natural. 
wonderful, though, if they have both. The failing, though, is when the child is incapable of being interested in anything, has no passion for anything, just flits from one thing to another, saying, I'm bored. That can be a problem in our world, where there are so many opportunities, so many distractions, and also perhaps worse, where being earnest goes against the prevailing atmosphere of irony of so much of our TV and film, where to be earnest is often equated with being naive, and where to be naive is about the worst thing that you can be. But if we can teach our children to be unembarrassed and passionate, then we will be setting them up for life, and we will be setting them up for eternal life, which is the love of God, who cares not so much about our talents, which after all he gave us in the first place, but with our open, unembarrassed love, with our lack of guile, and with our willingness to be seen by him exactly as we are. The willingness to be seen as we are takes bravery. But to be seen as we are is also the condition of being loved as we are. And God wants that. But he cannot do that, not in a way that transforms us, if all we keep bringing to him and to others is a projection. Projection of who we feel we ought to be, but not who we are. I want to close today with another secular song by Sarah McLaughlin called Push, which when I was listening to it on uh, the pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela, I started to hear more and more as a prayer of thanksgiving to God. I started to understand it as the way that we exist in relation to God. I'll just share with you a few lines from that song before we listen to it ourselves. Every time I look at you, the world just melts away. All my troubles, all my fears dissolve in your affections. You see me at my weakest, but you take me as I am. When I fall, you offer me a softer place to land. You stay the course, you hold the line, you keep it all together. You're the one true thing I know I can believe in. You're all the things that I desire. You save me, you complete me. You're the one true thing I know I can believe. Every time I look at you, the world just melts away. All my troubles, all my fears dissolve in your affection. You see me at my weakest, but you take me as I am. When I fall, you Offer me a soft place to land. You stay the course, you hold the line, keep it all together. You're the one true thing I know I can believe in. You're all the things that I desire. You save me, you complete me. You're the one true thing I know. I can't believe
Otherwise, I drown. But you pick me up and brush me off. 